You're listening to a sermon by Hope Bible Church Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, unafraid witness, and uncommon community. If you have yet to do so, we would love to have you join us for worship in God's Word on Sunday mornings. For more information, visit us online at hopeniagara.ca. Thanks for listening. So good to be here right now. I'll invite you to turn your Bibles to Psalm 34, verses 15 to 22. And for those of you who do not have your Bibles, you can feel free to grab one of the Bibles that you see in the pew ahead of you. You can feel free to grab that right now. Psalm 34, verses 15 to 22. And even right before we jump into the text, I just want to say that I'm so excited to get into the Word with each and every one of you this morning. And I just want to even say thank you. Thank you for the support that I have from you, from this church. So thankful that I, I get to serve in the youth and the young adult ministries uh, week in and week out. And it's just a joy, it's a delight for me to serve. So I just want to say thank you. So Psalm 34, verses 15 to 22. It was September 10th, 2022, when I received that message. It was my dear friend, Isaac, great guy, his great hair, he has great teeth, white teeth, his teeth are so straight, and he hasn't, he hasn't even had braces before, and it's just like, oh my goodness, I hate those people, wow. Anyways, he's a great friend, he's a pastor of, of Feb Church in Toronto, and he messaged me, usually whenever he messaged me, it's always super encouraging, uh, super uplifting, but this message was different. He messaged me, and he said, hey brother, are you free to call and pray? Because listen, this is an emergency. And I don't know about you, but when I receive messages like that, I, I hear pray and emergency, like my heart, like my mind, it scrambles to think of like the worst case scenario. I don't know about you, but that's where my mind went. So Sydney and I, we were actually at our parents' house in Beansville and we were just about to go back home for the night. So as soon as we got into the car, called Isaac right away, he picked up and he said, it's Queen Marvin. He said he had a heart attack. So Queen Marvin, just, just for some context, like Queen Marvin, he was my youth pastor when I was in middle school, high school. He knew that I wasn't a Christian at the time. He was faithful to love me and care for me, even though he didn't know that I didn't care about him or care about the church. He still loved me. Fast forward to many years. When I became a believer, this man, he really took me under his wing. He loved and cared for me. So Queen Marvin, at this time, he was in Etobicoke, and I moved with my family to Niagara, so, for many, many years, he, he drove all the way to Niagara-on-the-Lake, like once a month, just to come and pray with me, to have Bible studies with me. It's just like, who does that? It's crazy. And gas ain't cheap, you know what I'm saying? So it's just like, who does that? So this guy, he loved me, and I loved him too. 
So that's just the context with Queen Marvin and I. And he was my youth pastor, but I called him Queen Marvin because he was just like that. Like Queen Marvin, this guy had like 20 years on me, so he's, he's older than me. So I called him Queen Marvin, and in the Filipino like culture, that's what you would call someone who is like your big brother. So like we were, we were close, we were tight. So look back to the conversation with Isaac. He called me, he's like, hey, Queen Marvin, he had a heart attack. And we were talking about the details of what happened during that time. And he was actually doing some counseling with a couple uh, when it happened. So right away, uh, when, they, when they saw what was happening, they called 911 and, and the ambulance came and brought him to the hospital, hospital right away. So Isaac and I, for about 15 to 20 minutes, while Sydney and I were driving home, we started to pray, just praying peace over just this whole situation, peace for the family, peace for Queen Marvin, and just for the Lord's will over everything. So eventually, uh, we finished praying, and eventually, Sydney and I, we got home. And somehow, eventually, Sydney and I, we were able to fall asleep that night. Next morning, I woke up, looked at my phone, I saw that there was a missed call from Isaac at 1 a.m. Right away, I knew. I knew exactly what happened. But I saw it. I tapped on him on my phone. I called him back right away. I'm pretty sure I woke up, but I didn't care. He answered. He said, brother, with a heavy heart, Kuyamar went to be with the Lord this morning. Looked at Sydney. She was just waking up. She couldn't hear what Isaac was saying, but as, as she looked at my face, she knew exactly what happened. So I said, thank you, Isaac. Thank you for keeping me in the loop. I said goodbye. He said, I love you. I said, I love you too. Talk to you later. As soon as I hung up the phone, I grabbed Sydney. I held her tightly, and we both wept. We wept. And it's just like, yes, as Christians, as believers, yes, we know. I know that one day I will see Queen Marvin in heaven, and we're just going to worship God. We will declare, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Forever he shall reign. But then, and even right now, it's just like, why, God? Why would you allow this to happen? He was a man after your own heart. Yes, I believe you when you say that you love us. But why have you let us experience such intense affliction? Like, why do you allow us, Christians who you say that you love, experience such dismay, such sadness, and sorrow? Maybe there's some here who know exactly how I feel. Maybe you're there this morning. If you're asking those questions, then awesome. This passage today is for you. This passage is for you. In Psalm 34, 15 to 22, we see... We see that David, 
He doesn't tell us why this happens, but he does tell us, he does tell us where God is in the midst of these circumstances. So let's see what David says. Hopefully you're already there. I'm not, but hopefully you're already there. Psalm 34, verse 15 to 22, and this is what it says. It says, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. So David, he's saying here, the Lord Lord sees and hears us believers, but he's not blind. He's not blind to the wicked who persecute Christians. And as much as this is a warning, to non-believers to repent because the kingdom is at hand. As much as this is a warning, this is also comfort for David because he knows that one day the Lord will have justice and he will have justice over all the times that he's experienced uh, injustice throughout his life. Verse 17, it says, When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. So similar to verse 6, where David says, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. So David, he's looking back at all the times, looking back at all the times God delivered him from his enemies and even the hand of King Saul. And at this time, David, he's just worshiping God, just thanking God for, for the many times that he has delivered him from his enemies. So continuing along. It says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Or pardon me, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted, verse 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and the Lord and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. So David, he shows us that during hardships, okay, we're not left to fend for ourselves. We're not left to fend for ourselves. In times of affliction, we're not abandoned. We're not alone. God is there. Deuteronomy 31 verse 8 even says that God will never leave us or forsake us. In fact, since God will never leave us or forsake us, we can find comfort in him at all times. Find comfort in the Lord. Have you had better days? You feeling dismayed? Feeling discouraged? Well, we can find comfort in the Lord. So while writing this, David, he wasn't in a place of safety he wasn't even on the throne yet. He wasn't even king, right? So you know the person who is trying to give you advice, who, who has no idea, like advice when you're going through a tough time. And this person, they have no idea what you've been through. They don't have no idea um, how you're feeling. They haven't been through that same situation. And in that situation, you're just like, oh my goodness, like stop giving me advice. You don't know what I'm feeling. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know me. You see, David, he's not like that. David is not like that. He was actually in a lot of trouble, currently living through many, many afflictions. At that time, in this, in this passage, David, he just escaped a crazy father-in-law who was trying to kill him. 
and maybe some of you guys, you know, crazy in-laws, maybe you guys are feeling that today, but not me. I mean, truly, if I'm being honest, like, truly, like, I, I love my in-laws. They are so special to me. And uh, they always, even before Sydney and I got married, they always treated me like family. But this is not David and King Saul. So David, he was trying to flee Saul, and he found himself in the service of the king of Gath. So I don't know how much you remember about Achish, the king of Gath, but David and him, they were not on good terms. Remember, David, he killed their hero, Goliath, Goliath of Gath. So I don't know what David was thinking, but apparently he thought that he could be this nameless mercenary and serving King Gath. So apparently his plan was going well, and it was all good. It was all good. Right up until one of Akish's servants, he was like, hey, isn't that, isn't that David? Yeah, I, that looks like, yeah, that's David. I swear, I heard a song on 98.1 CHFI. It was about, yeah, it's about him. It was like, it went like, yeah, Saul killed his thousands and David killed his tenth. Yeah, that is David. Oh my goodness, yeah. And David was like, gulp. At that moment, David knew that his life was in danger again. And it's just like affliction after affliction after affliction after affliction. And this man, he says, find comfort in the Lord. So he's going to ask, like, how do you find comfort in the Lord? This text shows us two reasons why, two main reasons why we can find comfort in the Lord. So the first reason is this. The Lord sees and hears us. The Lord sees and hears us. He sees and hears everything. He's omniscient. He is omnipresent. So he, so he sees everything, and he knows everything because his spirit is everywhere. Because he sees and he hears everything, we can know that the Lord fully knows us. Like, actually knows us. Like, really knows us. He fully knows me, and he fully knows each one of you. How? Why? Well, because God, he sees everything. You know when you have, like, a conversation with someone? Like, you have a conversation with someone about something super specific. Like, maybe it's, like, buying or selling a car. Right? You have that conversation. And then later on, you go on social media, or you go on Google, or you go on your email, and boom, you see a targeted ad of autotrader.ca. And it's just like, oh my goodness, wow, it's creepy. Like, I swear, I, I, I did not type anything about this before. I was like 20 feet away from my phone, but somehow my phone was able to hear me, and it's creepy, you know what I'm saying? And it's just like, God is like that. He sees and he hears. He's not creepy. No, no, no. He's not creepy. He's not trying to sell you a car. No, 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 no. I say this, say this. Like, he sees and he hears every single thing. So in the same way that our phones, they know us, like, really know us, God does too. But he doesn't need to see our history to know who we really are. He fully knows us. He sees literally everything. Proverbs 15, verse 3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place keeping watch on the evil and the good. Proverbs 5, verse 21 says, For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. Psalm 139, verses 1 to 6, and it should be on the screen. It says, O Lord, 
O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down. You know when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my plan and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Verse 6 says, such knowledge is too wonderful me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Essentially, David, again, in this psalm, he's talking about how the Lord, he searches us. He knows every single thing there is to know about us. He knows our ins. He knows our outs. He knows our dreams, our aspirations. He knows our hidden talents. He even knows our little quirks. He knows how many times you hit snooze before you actually wake up. He knows if you actually drink all the water that you're supposed to drink in a day. He searches us and knows absolutely everything there is to know about us. And he doesn't need to look at our history to know what kind of person that we are because his eyes and his ears are everywhere. The Lord sees and hears us. So on the road, on the road after escaping King Saul, David, he would have leaned into the fact that the Lord heard all his cries. He, he would have leaned into the fact that the Lord, he saw and he heard everything. So let's look at verse 15 in Psalm 34. Verse 15, it says this. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears are toward their cry. So notice David, he talks about the eyes and the ears of the Lord are towards who? Well, it says the righteous. The righteous. And by righteous, David, he's referring to the believers who fear the Lord by applying David's instructions earlier on in verses 11 to 14. So it says, Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? So he's saying, like, Do you want to have a long life that you enjoy? Then fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. So verses 13 to 14, it tells you how you can do that. It says, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. So David's saying that the eyes of the Lord and ears, they see and listen to the prayers of those who fear him, of those who are righteous. So look at verse 18, because it says a similar message. So verse 18, it says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. So David, he's saying that, okay, if you want the Lord to listen to you, then depend on him, rely on him, and be broken over your sins. This is not talking about someone who just experienced a breakup. No, this is talking about, who's talking about someone who is broken over their sins. So he's saying this, so for the righteous, the Lord sees and hears all of our problems as we cry out to him. In fact, he even knows the nitty-gritty before it leaves our mouths. He even knew what we were going to say before we even thought of the words to say it. So if we think of all the prayers that we've prayed as we cried out to God, we can know that every single one of them were heard. Over the course of our entire lifetime, we know that all of our prayers were heard. Every single prayer was answered. 
all of our tears were noticed. Psalm 56, verse 8 even talks about how God even knows the number of tears that we've cried. The Lord sees and hears us. One thing that I'm learning as a new husband is that when Sydney is telling me something that is heavy on her heart, well, first and foremost, she wants to know that I'm actually present and not distracted. But when she's telling me something that is heavy on her heart, she's not necessarily looking for me to quickly figure out her problem and solve it right away. She wants to know that I'm listening. She, she wants to know that I can truly empathize with her and, and bear her burdens. She wants to know that I'm going to be with her and that we're going to navigate the situation together. And when we pray to God, that's exactly what he does. When we cry out to God, we find comfort in knowing that out of the hundreds of thousands of people who are potentially praying to God at the very moment that we are, we can know that God is actually listening to hear us out. When we cry out to him, we can be sure that we have 100% of God's attention. He's not distracted by the war that's going on in Russia. Our cries are not muffled by the rest of the world's prayers. We have 100% of God's attention. And yes, he already knows what we are going to say because he's omniscient. But we can know that when we cry out to God, he's not like, already knew that, next. No, he actually sees and he hears us. He cares for us. He actually knows us, like really knows us. And he's right there with us. When we cry out to him, we can be sure that God fully empathizes with our needs. And yes, it's so good to know that he answers each and every one of our prayers. But we find an avalanche of comfort knowing that when we cry out to the Lord, when we cry out to God in heaven, that El Shaddai, God Almighty, he heard me. He heard us. Like he actually did. And he's coming alongside of me as well. He heard me. How do we find comfort in the Lord? Well, David says there are two reasons. The first one is because the Lord sees and hears. God knows everything. His spirit is everywhere. He knows us, like really, really knows us. No cry and no prayer was ever unheard. We find, we find comfort in the simple fact that when we cry out to God, he hears us. The Lord sees and hears us. But not only that, the Lord doesn't just See and hears us. The Lord secures us. The Lord secures us. The Lord doesn't just listen to our needs only to leave us drowning in our struggle, but he secures us. He protects us. He defends us. So I have no experience with having kids. I'm pretty new at this. And if you didn't know, but Sydney's pregnant and super excited, so glad for that, but... Oh my goodness, I haven't even met her baby yet, but I already love that kid. Great kid. And, and, and when, Sydney, when Sydney gives birth, when Sydney gives birth, I would give my life for that baby. Like, I would do everything in my power to make sure that our baby is safe and protected and secure. And that's how an imperfect sinner, an imperfect father to be, 
would secure his child. But how much more would a perfect father, God in heaven, secure us? In Psalm 23, David, he depicts God as a shepherd who, who leads, who guides, and would he even give his life to secure the lives of his sheep. In 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 3, it says, But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. So we know that God, he secures us, and he guards us against the attacks from the enemy. Psalm 27, verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? And because the Lord is, is, is our light, because the Lord is our salvation, because the Lord is our stronghold, we are so secure. And we have nothing to be afraid of. We have no one that we need to be afraid of. We have nothing to fear. Point two is the Lord secures us. The Lord secures us. And David, he believed this with his whole heart, with his whole being. David, he believed this. We see it in all of the Psalms that he wrote, but also in this situation where, he, where his identity was, was just found by King Achish. All right, he knew that his life was in danger. He knew that King Achish and his servants, they would have no mercy on David because David dominated them. He, he killed their hero, Goliath, so that he knew that at that time when they found out his identity, he was in danger. So David responded. He had to do something. He responded, but not with choice words, not with brute strength, or not, or not with his sword trying to maneuver and kill everyone. But he responded with craziness. He responded with, yeah, you heard me right. Like David, he began to act like a madman. Apparently, he acted like he was insane. Like he made marks on the doors and he was drooling and the drool went down to his beard and he started acting insane. It was so weird. Like as I'm reading this, I'm like, what in the world? And it's like, if you don't believe me, you could read it in, in 1 Samuel 21, verses 13 to 15. And it's just right now, as we picture the man after God's own heart just drooling from his face and running around acting like a junior high boy from youth, it's just like, what is going on? Like, and that's exactly how King Achish responded. He was like, okay, yeah, maybe that's, this is David. Sure, that's him. He killed Goliath, but this guy is crazy. Get, get him out of my face. Like, we have enough crazy people here in Gath. Get him out of here. So that, again, we, we see that David, he, he dodged another bullet. We see that he, he fled from Gath and found himself a cave to stay in. But as we look at this, as we, as we ponder this story, we see that this is no fluke. Like, no fluke at all. Like, this was absolutely the hand of God sparing David and just preserving his life. And as much as this is an amazing story of, of God protecting those who are his, this is not the security that David is talking about. This is not the security that David is talking about because there are times when, when God miraculously allows his servants to escape death and affliction in their lifetime. But this is not the security that David is talking about. The Lord secures us but not from afflictions. So let's look at verse 19. 
It says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. So the Lord secures us, but not from affliction. And the Lord doesn't just promise some affliction. He says, he says but many are the afflictions of the righteous. So are there any of us today feeling afflicted? You feel afflicted? Well, you're not alone. You're not alone. Because God promises us affliction. Like, God is not singling you out. I mean, yes, you can be concerned, and you can pray and cry out to God, but we should know that as Christians, like, afflictions are normal in this life. In fact, we should be concerned if we're not experiencing any afflictions. Why? Well, because it says in verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But what is this deliverance? What is this deliverance that David is talking about? Well, we find in verse 20. We find in verse 20, and it says this, he keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. So this is so awesome because this is the same passage that is fulfilled and mentioned again in one of the Gospels. So we find it in John 19, verse 36. So you can read, you can read it later on, just jot it down. John 19, verse 36. So the setting that John wrote in was during Jesus' death on the cross. So to quicken his death, a soldier came to break his legs so Jesus would not be able to position himself better and breathe while he was on the cross. But when the soldier got there, seeing Jesus already dead, he had a spear and he pierced his side to where blood and water poured out, finaling the death of Jesus. See, that's what John wrote, for these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. All right, so not only is this passage that, that, that David wrote in, in Psalm 34, verse 20, not only is that passage mentioned in the New Testament, but it's also, it also looks back at the requirements for the Passover lamb in Exodus 12, verse 46. So Exodus 12, verse 46. So that in order for the animal sacrifice to atone for our sin, for the sins of the people sacrificing, the bones of the Passover lamb must not be broken. So, and the reason being was that the sacrifice had to be absolutely perfect, without any blemishes, without any defects. And a broken bone was considered blemish or defect. So, by pointing to Christ and echoing the requirements for an acceptable sacrifice from Exodus, we see that Jesus became the Passover lamb. Jesus became the sacrifice to atone for the sins of the righteous. And by saying this in, in Psalm 34, David, he's pointing to the deliverance that Christians have when they put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. And when he says that the Lord secures us, okay, it's not from life's afflictions. It's not from being brokenhearted. But he's talking about eternal deliverance through Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross. The deliverance that verse 22 speaks of that grants his servants redemption from their sins but also, more importantly, refuge from God's wrath. Because just as much as this world is full of sin and injustice, and we see it every day, there will come a time when the Lord's patience will run out. There will be a day when the Lord's justice will reign. His justice will prevail. And there will be a day when all of the wrongs will finally be made right. When those who hate the righteous, verse 21 says that they will be condemned. 
they will experience God's wrath. And Psalm 64 verse 8 says, they are brought to ruin with their own tongues turned against them. All who see them will wag their heads. That's why it's so important for us to know where we stand in the eyes of God. Because when we do, we know that the Lord secures us. So how do we find comfort in the Lord? Two reasons. We find comfort in the Lord because the Lord sees and hears us. God knows it all. He sees everything. No cry, no prayer was ever unheard. We find comfort in the simple fact that when we cry out to God, he hears us. But not only that, not only that, the Lord doesn't just see and hears us. Point two, the Lord secures us. The Lord doesn't just listen to our needs only to let us drown in our struggle. He actually secures us. He protects us. He defends us. But not from life's affliction. Though he can, he can. The Lord secures us by redeeming us, by giving us peace and refuge with God. So what? So how should we respond to that? What do we do with that? Well, first off, I wouldn't be foolish to think that every single one of us here this morning is a believer, especially in a group this size. I mean, I I know what it was like to be dragged to church, but my assumption is that there are some here today who are not at peace with God. So, friend, whether you were just checking out Christianity or maybe you're closed-minded because you've been forced to come to church, maybe you should ask yourselves, do you have someone who sees and hears you? Like they know you, like, like really, really know you. Someone who knew everything about you, but they'd still stay. They'd still love you. Do you have someone who sees and hears you? But in addition to that, do you, do you have eternal security? Do you have eternal security? Like without a shadow of a doubt, if you were to die today, do you know where you would be? Or are you just going with the flow, just hoping, maybe even praying that things will just work out? Because, friend, if that's you today with Jesus, you can be sure that if you repent and believe in him, he will see and hear you, but also you will have that eternal security. But what about those of us who are still struggling and suffering affliction? What about those of us who are still going through emotional pain and difficulty? Well, in verses 15 and 17, we see that David, he mentions, he mentions that the righteous, they cry out to God. He mentions that the, the righteous, they cry out to God. And by crying out, I think David, he's talking about lamenting. He's talking about lamenting. So lamenting is a way that God gives believers the opportunity to process raw emotions and even voice confusions about life's calamities. It's the way that believers, we can be brutally honest towards God about our internal despairs. And we don't have to worry about God getting annoyed or offended by us lamenting to him. And in some ways, it feels so good to be open and so honest to God 
It, it almost feels wrong. It's like, can I actually say this to God? But we see that over a third of the Psalms, they're, they're laments. Over the third of the Psalms are laments, and there's even a book in the Bible called Lamentation, uh, Lamentations, and we even see Jesus doing it in the Gospels. So how do you lament? Quickly, here are three steps. Three steps. So report, request, and revere. First one, report. Report. Find a place where it's just you and God, and just report it to God. Express to him exactly what you're feeling. Tell him what you are experiencing, like how the situation is affecting you, your friends, your family, maybe even your church. Report it to God. Tell him how you feel. Maybe it just feels like you just keep losing and losing and losing, and every time you bounce back, it's like your perseverance is leading you to another loss. And for you, it, just, it would be so much easier to just give up. Report it to God. Maybe you're just super busy. You're super busy. You try to cut back on each place in your life, but it seems like you can't get any rest. Then all you want is a break. Well, just report it to God. Maybe you're grieving. Maybe you're grieving the loss of a loved one, the loss of a relationship, the loss of maybe what once was. And you just want to cry out to God. It's just like, why, God? Like, like, why? Why are you letting this happen to me? Like, I believe you when you say that you love us. But why are you letting us experience such intense affliction? Like, like why do you allow us Christians who you say you love to go through this heartbreak? Report it to God. Tell him how you feel. Ask him all the questions. Like, God, he can handle it. Process your emotions with him. Cast all of your anxieties to him. Why? Because he cares. So first off, you report. And second, request. Request. Request from God exactly what you need from him. Ask him boldly with faith for what you need, remembering that he sees and he listens to the prayers of those who are righteous. No request is insignificant to a God, to a shepherd who cares for his sheep. And no request is minor, too minor to a father who loves and cares for his children. Request. Request it from God. Request from God what you need. And maybe in this moment, maybe it's strength. Maybe it's endurance, hope, discernment, contentment. Deliver Whatever you need, ask in confidence. Come to the throne of grace, knowing that you may receive mercy and you will find grace in your time of need. Request from God exactly what you need from him. So request. So report, request. And thirdly and finally, revere. Revere God. Revere him. Worship him. Praise his name. Because as important as it is to be real and honest and not suppress your sorrows, okay, we mustn't stay there. We cannot stay there. And this is not to say that we're automatically going to be good and we're automatically going to experience this tremendous joy in our time of sorrow. But no, we have, we have to not be there. Like, especially in times of mourning, it's crucial that we remind ourselves in those times of who is still on the throne. 
we still have to remind ourselves of who our God is, of who listens and sees us, of who secures us. It's crucial that we take our eyes off of ourselves and fix them on a magnificent God. We have to worship him, praise him, revere him. And with this, I'll close. I think of the song, Jesus, You Alone. In the verse, it reminds us of how set apart Jesus is from the rest of all creation. It reminds us of how there is none like our God. It goes like this. Who is the great king of glory? See it on high in the heavens, oh, Jesus, you alone. You are the Lord God Almighty, strong in compassion and mercy, oh, Jesus, you alone. Truly, truly, there is none like Jesus. And as we worship him, let's praise his name. Those of us who are suffering right now, experiencing affliction, let's get our eyes off of ourselves. Get them onto God. Let's exalt his name. Let's revere him. Let's pray. Let's pray. Truly, truly, Jesus, Jesus, you alone. There's no one who could love us the way that you do. There's no one who could care for us the way that you do. No one who could forgive us the way that you do. And no one who could die on the cross for our sins the way that you did. Jesus, truly, truly, you alone. And so, Father, we praise you, we worship you for who you are. We thank you that in our time of need, we can always find comfort in you. Because you never leave us or forsake us. You're always there. We love you, Lord. We thank you that right now, wherever we are, whatever we're feeling, we can just stop and revere you. We can worship you. We can praise your name. We can exalt, we can exalt it on high. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.